Gig Gab, the Working Musicians Podcast, episode 222 for Tuesday, August 13th, 2019. Greetings, folks. And welcome to Gig Gab, the podcast that is by, for, and about working musicians. Sponsors for this episode include Mint Mobile, where at mintmobile.com slash gig gab, you can cut your wireless bill to just 15 bucks a month. We'll talk about how you can do that shortly here, but really it's just the URL that we can talk some of the details, but you already know. For now, here in, I guess I'm in Orlando, Florida, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here, definitely in Las Gatas, California, it's Paul Kent. At least one of us knows where he is, so that's good. I know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I'm here for the podcast movement show this uh, this fine week. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, that show. I guess technically the conference starts tomorrow, although it's sort of been going for a couple of days already. But um yeah, lots of actually lots of good podcasters. In fact, I met somebody today that might actually be a good guest for us to have here, believe it or not. So No, that's kind of cool. Yeah. You know what's funny is um uh my wife had some friends over last night and the one friend said, I know Paul does that podcast. I have a son who wants to get into radio. What can you tell him? <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I, I, get I into just, podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I just had a meeting that basically, yes, we all decided on that as the answer. And this was with two former radio people. So, yeah, there you go. Yeah. I remember when Steve Jobs, you know, talked about podcasts in a, in a macro expo keynote. And I, it was really early on. I mean, he really was way ahead of the game saying this is the, this is the biggest thing in radio is podcasts. And, and at the time I was like, I don't listen to podcasts. What's he talking about? Why would I want to listen to a bunch of amateurs, you know, kind of, you know, just talking about stuff. And then within six months, man, it was everything. It was the thing. Yeah. So everything. I, yeah, I had a, a chat with Evo Terra today, who was one of the very early podcasters. He started even before we did with Matt Geekab and we've been doing it 14 years, but he um, had submitted his book podcasting for dummies. So podcasting had existed for like six months at this period, right? This was early 2005. And uh, he submitted the book and then Steve Jobs took the stage and talked about how iTunes 4.7 was going to have a podcast directory in it coming in in June or July, maybe it was. And uh, and Evo was like, yeah, I had a vacation scheduled, but I had to cancel the vacation, pull the draft back or pull the book back, which now turns out to have been a draft and rewrite like half the thing. So, yeah. Okay, should I tell my Steve Jobs story with uh, with regards to that whole thing? Is I don't know that, that I've ever heard it, so sure. Sure. So um, that happened. He announced that podcasting was coming in iTunes 4.7. He did that, I believe, at WWDC, which would have happened, let's say, May or June of that year. I don't have the timing exact. And then it basically came out a week before the summer Macworld Expo in Boston was when mm -hmm. that, that version of iTunes came out. But there was a, let's say a four week period between oh, announced like New York, not Boston, right? No, that was Boston. I'm, I'm that I'm certain of, because I remember huh. being there when we were new podcasters, right? Because we started Mac geek gab, um, right before they made that announcement. And, so I'm thinking, oh, crap, like we're a brand new show. I want to be in the iTunes directory on the day that like it launches, you know, which is now in three weeks or something. How do I do that? So I called everybody I knew at Apple. And of course, this was at a time when Steve was there. So everybody was afraid to talk because, you know, they were afraid they'd get fired in an elevator or something because those were the stories that, that happened or at least that were told. And I thought, this is really frustrating. So I spent a few days trying to find people. And finally, I just sent an email to Steve Jobs and said, hey, I know your like, podcast is your thing. It's pet project. We've got a show. I just want to make sure we're in the directory on day one. 20 minutes later, the phone rings. And it's the person in charge of the, the podcast directory. Hey, we got your email. Yep, <laughs> you're in the directory. In fact, we're going to feature you in week one. Like all this other stuff. It's like, cool. And sure enough, our listener numbers, you know, jumped 20-fold when the directory launched, which was a good yeah. thing. So, yep, sometimes it pays to just email the boss. So, 
That's a good one. I, I've always felt like it, you know, the, the way I look at it is if you can choose whether you're going to email the person at the top of the company or the bottom, and it's someone in the middle that's actually responsible, but you can't get to them. Think about this. Let's assume both of those people pass the emails to the person in charge that, that you actually need to get to. If they're coming from somebody way at the bottom or someone way at the top, which one are they going to look at? So that's, that's true. You know, that's my, uh, that's at least, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. Stick with it. All right. So I've got a topic to bring up a, a musician topic, a band that's topic. A, here. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. And the topic is the value and purpose and frequency and intent of adding new material to your band. So I'll preface this by saying, here's what I've done for the past 19 years. Okay. We play like crazy in the summer and we don't even have time to rehearse in the summer. Pretty much from January to the end of April is once a week we rehearse and we try to add as much material as we can. I would say a great year is if we can add 10 songs. An average year is probably about six songs. Now, the point of all this questioning is I find that our A list of songs is hard to break into, right? So when I say, if I was to do this again and say we're going to add 10 songs, if one of those songs broke into our absolute drop dead, always kills list. So there's that. There's like, how do you approach it when you've got, you know, 20 years of, of doing this? We have probably 180 songs, probably. Sure. And the other point is we play, we have fans for sure. But we also have 180 songs. We have fans who see us multiple times, you know, you know, a week or over the course of a summer. And we're also right now working hard to to increase our corporate events business where it's not going to be people who see us all the time. I was time. just going to say two very different audience set types, right? There's because the yep. corporate gigs are people that you'd have to treat them as one-offs. You have to assume no one in the room. It's safe to assume that no one in the room has seen you again. Well, seen maybe, you before. Maybe one or two of the people who got you the gig off sure, of their but, the gig. But they want you to do what they know you're going to do. Like they're yes. not looking for a unique true, true, show true. from you. They are looking for a reliable show from you, like what they're expecting. So that's it. So th that's why I say it's safe to assume, even though it's wrong, it's safe to assume no one's seen your band before. You just need to go out and play the very best set list that you can. And don't very worry. True about what you want to play the next night at the next corporate party, because you can also walk into that room, assuming those people have never seen your band before. It's very true. But, but the, the, the dangling participle of all this is <laughs> the dangling even, when we do a club date, even when we do a club date, you know, of those 10 new songs we do, there's something about when a band has been together for a while and has an A list of stuff, the energy is there. The whole band knows it's going to kill you know, there's there's something about the magic about the stuff that you've evolved to be your your you know your A list of stuff. I'd say we have forty to fifty absolute A list songs, and then we have thirty to forty no no seventy to eighty good songs, but never you know they sounded better in my mind when I picked them than they do on stage, right? Sure, they're good. They're good songs, and you know that we play them fine. Just not, but they're the not songs great really songs for your band. Yes, and you know they don't. They there's the songs that get people's blood going every single freaking time, right? We play. Um, well, we, we you know we, we're a rock and soul band, so on the on the soul side, the Earth, Wind, and Fire stuff goes over every time. Right, oh, you've got a horn four. section. I mean, of course it does. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it, not, not of course it does. It, it, it fits with your band and you've worked it to make it fit. Yeah. Right. So I've just been thinking about what the value is of putting that in. It used to be that I want to keep the band's attention, trying to keep everything fresh. I wonder, you know, like I said, I've got 200 songs and some of those songs are ready to be brought back and, you know, tweak the things that weren't perfect about them and see if you can get them over the, over the finish line. I've got a lot of songs. I don't know. Maybe, you know, the only thing I think about is that I'd like to keep adding more current songs. That's, that's one area of our repertoire that I don't think we have enough. So I can sure. see spending time on that. Well, sort of but adding another classic rock song, you know, when I've got a gazillion classic rock songs, I'm not too sure what the value is right here, right now, at this point in time. I could totally change once I get to January and get excited about refreshing everything. 
But that whole perspective of, well, this is our routine. This is what we do is, is it's part bonding. It's part creative exercise for the band, you know, trying to find those new, but it is when you've been together for a while, those songs that are your, your, your drop dead winter songs, it's hard to crack that, you know, with new material. Do you agree? Yeah, there's a lot to talk about here. So (laughs) yeah, let's, let's unpack this, right? I mean, I, I am simultaneously with you on the term creative exercise and also completely think that it's, it's rubbish, right? For this, this discussion, I, I, I'm, and when I say I'm with you, like I, I, I really truly am. But also, let's be honest, we're talking about, you know, bands that are playing cover songs. You didn't write them. We, di- we didn't write them. I mean, I'm, I'm putting myself into this camp, too. I'm not. This is not an argument. At least it's not intended to be. <laughs> uh, but it's not really a creative exercise to to. It, it is a, a performance exercise in. And, and perhaps there's some creativity in how do we arrange this to make it fit for our band. But that could also be argued that it's just a logistics exercise, right? Um, no, I would say it's creative, Dave. I, you know, you're getting the right tones out of your instruments, you know, finding the, you know, the right key that you're going to do it in, arranging the harmonies. I mean, I, I, I find that, that adding new material is a creative exercise. I, I, I get that. And I'm, I'm with you on that. But, but in terms of like the delivery of it, it's, it's just like you're just players, right? You're not writing them. So the creativity is, is, a, is a different thing, right? And that's just how that works. So, but you talked about breaking songs into your A-list. And I think... You, you know, you're, and, and again, I mean, we're talking about this in the context of your band, but, but I, I mean, I deal with the same thing in, in fling and, and basically every other band I've ever played and especially sure. cover bands, but, but not only cover bands, like original bands. I actually, this A-list thing still like exists perfectly. You want to make your, let's say you're an original band and you're writing new stuff. You would love it for your new stuff to be on that A-list. Right. But there's a reason that the existing songs, those top 10 that you mentioned are on your list. And one of them is that they happen to be songs that really fit well for your band, right? That's, that's number one, but they are also songs that your band is well oiled at playing. You have figured out, you've gone through the exercise, creative exercise of figuring out how they work, which songs work, right? Uh, you may not know why they work. You might have an inkling as to thinking why you know why they work, but sometimes you know it's just like, well, that one works. It's, on paper, it shouldn't, but it it does. Just like the one on paper that should and doesn't. It's just you know how it is. This is how these group of musicians put that song out. I think in order to, and I've done this before, more in original bands than cover bands, but I think it would apply just the same. Uh, and I perhaps the stakes are even higher in, in an original band, but um, you have to retire five of those songs on your A list if you want to make room for five others. There's no way mm. that you're that a song that you've been playing for, let's say, five years and you really like, you know, you kill at it. There's no way that a new song that you just learned is going to be as polished and well oiled as one of those, unless you play it as much as you've played one of those. And so, all right. So, right. So you have to like intentionally retire and that can be fun because you retire a song and then you come back to it like two years mm-hmm. later and like it's that. like, Oh, it's so much no, it's fun like finding an old friend, but it's risky. Right. You know, and yes, it is that finding an old friend. Some you're at a gig, somebody requests it, and you're like, "Oh, let's do Uptown Funk." Like we haven't done that in a long time, <laughs> you know. And then you have a blast with it, right? You know, as opposed to and you know, Mustang Sally is probably an equally good thing to like pop into that that uh, you know that phrase there, like, "Oh, let's play Mustang Sally." Let's actually care about playing Mustang Sally. Let's mm. be into it. I mentioned playing Freebird at that gig where they found the you know Boston Bomber. Um, during the gig. I mean, not at the gig, thankfully, because uh, that would have been, you know, disruptive. But, you know, it was that night that they had found him and and somebody requested Freebird. I was like, yeah, let's play Freebird. Like, we were all into playing Freebird <laughs> as opposed to let's play Freebird, you know. Um, so that can be fun. But, but there's a huge risk in taking five, your, you know, five of your 10 best songs and putting them on ice, yeah. hoping 
that now, I mean, it, it means you have to then go deliver right now. You know, there's these other songs. You're going to feel them out and like, okay, these are working. These aren't, you know, how can we tweak them or do we jettison and, you know, let something else float to the top like that. So here's what's so a risky thing. What you're saying. Yeah. It is a risky thing. And, and what's going through my mind is um, I still want to make sure that every gig you go over, right? Yeah. So this means that the last, let's say 45 minutes of your show is going to be a list. That's not where your new stuff is going to, it almost has to break into that. Right. So, so you're testing new stuff. You're putting it, you know, early in the show, early in the set and you're, you know, seeing how it sounds, you're seeing how the band plays it. You're seeing what the reaction is. You're seeing what it goes, goes well next to. I mean, you know, one thing yeah, we said about sure. B-tunes, um, uh, when you, especially if you're playing like a club and you're playing three or four hours, one thing that can be said about B, B level tunes is that they set up the A level tunes really well. Right. So well, they can you afford yourself. Yeah. yeah. If, and if there is, I, I will give you, there's some artistry to crafting a set list. I mean, we've done countless episodes on that. So th like right. there is some creativity there for sure. I think, you know, in in crafting that. Yeah. But I really like that idea that you have to kind of commit to, putting in mothballs, some of your A-list stuff and saying, I know it's there in an emergency. I can break the glass. Absolutely. And, and, uh, yes. In case of emergency. Right. That's right. right. Yes. But uh, <laughs> you know, the way you can get those songs, you know, but l let's talk about this a little bit. How long do you give a song? What do you look for early on when you play a song? I want to, I want to answer those questions. The first thing I want to do though, because these are good questions and I have a feeling that particular, like as, as we tug on that thread, it's going to go for a while, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, that's what we do here, right? That's a good thing. I want to take a minute and talk about our sponsor for today, which is Mint Mobile. Look, if you are still using one of the big wireless providers here in 2019, have you asked yourself what you're paying for, Right. Between all their expensive retail stores, their hidden fees and other inflated prices, you're being taken advantage of because they know that you'll pay. And this is why Mint Mobile exists. Mint Mobile provides the same network coverage that you're used to at a fraction of the cost because everything is online. They don't have retail locations. They don't have all that overhead and they can pass those savings directly onto you. And it's true. What I said in the intro, you can cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month with mint mobile. Every plan comes with unlimited nationwide talk and text. And with mint mobile, you stop paying for all that unlimited data that you will never use. You can choose a plan with three, eight or 12 gigs of 4G LTE data. You use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan. You keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And for you iPhone users out there like me and Paul, it works really well with your visual voicemail and all that other stuff. In fact, they've made the onboarding process with iPhone super easy. You just plug the SIM in and it works. Like it's, great. it's really cool. And the service is fantastic. I've actually found it better than the service I was previously using it. I get better coverage and it's faster, like way faster. So you got to check this out. Ditch your old wireless bill and start saving with Mint Mobile. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash giggab. That's mintmobile.com slash G-I-G-G-A-B. Cut your wireless bill down to 15 bucks a month. Mintmobile.com slash giggab. And our thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring this episode. All right, Paul, it's time to, time to tug on that thread, man. Yeah, so... Let's see. Where, where do we put this? So how, what do you look for when you add a new song? So they're the ones that you hit out of the park right from the beginning. They, and that is often a, you know, a, a, a factor of full band buy-in from the very beginning. Like, you know, like Uptown Funk is the easiest one to point to that one. When everybody heard it, everybody nodded their head. Yeah, this is a great tune. This is going to be it. The first time you play it, the audience screams, and you know, and and it, you, most people caught it right. It was right as it was a, you know, an emerging hit, and everyone got to ride it for a long time, and that was easy. But there's other things, you know. Again, some of the classic rock, most of the great classic rock that's going to be a list, is 
has become obvious. Everyone's looking for those hidden gems to bring back something and, you know, have a unique song that makes your band stand out and be unique. And then the new stuff is a whole bunch of different realms of, of acceptance. So I'll ask you, if a song comes in, how do you know whether it's worth giving more time? How do you know if it uh, is communicating a vibe that's going to be useful for your band's set list? Well, I mean, so Uptown Funk is an interesting tune. I, I and, and and don't take this the wrong way. I, I actually think your band plays it really well, but it is not a song that you need to play really well uh, because everybody like the work to get it into everyone's psyche has already been done at such a level that so, it's, so it's gonna, become it's become the um, uh, it's the new Mustang Sally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is like you play that song, even if you play it terribly, everybody loves it. And it has staying power. Like there was that Daft Punk tune, right? I can't remember the name of it, but, you know, it was huge a couple of years ago or whatever. And we played it a few times in fling. I oh, mean, get lucky, get lucky. That's it. Oh, yeah, exactly. God, yeah, it's terrible. But it was in everybody's heads that it didn't matter that we were not doing that song. Certainly we weren't playing it like they played it, but it didn't matter. You get that hook going and everybody in the whole place is bouncing and loving what's going on. So mm. I like, but, but you know, Uptown Funk seems to be perhaps like it might become part of like just cover band canon. Well, I think you're probably right because, you know, you hear people playing the horn part on synth, you know, on keyboards, you hear no horn part. I was going to say people play the horn part in their head when there's no horn yeah. part being played. It's, it's irrelevant. Yeah. It, it's, well, I'll give you, it's already I'll give you there. Yeah. So how about locked out of heaven? So that is actually a hard tune to get right. That actually the tempo got, needs to be perfect to right. get that right. Yep. So that's a good example of one that was a huge hit, huge hit. Yep. And we played it and you could see that some people were like, oh, cool. I love this song. But you could also tell that my band had not gotten its hands around it yet as much as we thought we had in rehearsal. Um, and some of it could be tempo. Also, it's feel. It's kind of got a delicate but driving vibe to it. Right. That yeah. Bump, it, bump, it, right. Uh, uh, yeah. It, need, it needs to not speed up. That's the hard part about that tune, because those offbeat hits make you want to speed that song up. So mm. it yeah it, it's a tricky one to do you're right but still if you played that versus playing you know some obscure Joan Armatrading cover as interpreted <laughs> by the Jerry Garcia band on this special night in you know you've 1984 yeah you're going to do better right you've got a better chance i mean of course somebody's going to say no 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 I, I the exception proves the rule you know uh yeah it like that song again you play it people are going to dance they might not react quite as much as they do to like when your band plays that great you know doobie brothers with horns version of long train running right like that's an impressive way to end a set you know because the way the way the that that uh syncopated groove works you know and that's I think, a good you know, thing. You frame all of this about who is your band what do you do who do you play for you know are you a rock and roll right so right. we're talking about bruno mars and assuming that someone wants to go out and be a dance band and get dance band gigs and get dance band money correct that type of thing so you know yeah, if you're if you're playing song. if you're playing uh you know prog rock and and you decide to throw in you know let's say you're a yes slash rush slash elp cover band and in the middle of your set you throw an uptown funk ain't gonna sell as well right. uh, i don't think as it the might iron, the irony won't be caught no as it might at say a house rockers gig that's right yeah but uh you know like this year uh we added quite a few songs um, I'm trying to think of anything really cracked our A-list. So, and, but I'm thinking some of the songs. So I, I think I told you we play a uh, crumbling down the, the melon camp tune. Yeah. Which it, I really love that tune. I mean, I like the way it builds. I like the way it feels. I like the way our band, like we had, like many of the things we do, we add horn arrangements to things that didn't have horn arrangements before. And it does something cool to it. And it's cool. Um, and you just described it, a vanity song. Yeah, but I mean, it's popular enough where it's, I would say a vanity song goes a little deeper into sure into yeah. not not known. I, would you, okay, that? that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 we can call vanity songs whatever we want. It's our term. Like you coined <laughs> it on this show, so sure, we can define whatever yeah. we want. Yeah, 
No, vanity song would be like a deep cut, something that only fans of a particular band would really know. Like That's the, what I would the call the Joan Armatrading cover done by yes. the. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I would bet that you know what you described there, your buddy Burke, right? If he's playing with his Grateful Dead loving fans, and you pull out something that Jerry did, you know, on a rainy night in October in, in 1977, and the light bulb will go on for 17 people, but 100 people won't know it, but the 17 people are really enthusiastic. You might be able to, you know. That, and that's really what we do here, right? We're, we're always trying to prove ourselves right. There's some people who take the shortest path to that, right? And they just play the hits, and, and that's the shortest path. But many of us in cover bands are determined to show how great our taste in music is and how you know, cool we you know, we know our art and go back and find that one that nobody else is playing. You know, and we prove ourselves to be unique and you know, students of rock and roll and go find something that... Uh, that isn't done. And it's getting harder as time goes on. I mean, you know, what's funny is um, I remember one time we were struggling with, with some song. I don't remember what the song was, but Joe was our drummer at the time. And I remember Joe go, goes, guys, guys, there are so many songs. Yeah. There are so many great songs out there. Why bang your head against the wall? You know, trying to wedge your band's capabilities, sound, vibe, approach, you know, insisting that you're going to do that. And th so that's, that's the tangential question to all this. No, he's it's right. It's really like, about you need to know much... your band and, and you yes. need to be on. And, and sometimes, and we don't all know our bands. I mean, I, I am constantly proven wrong, right? So much. So with fling, especially, especially when we were playing a lot and adding a lot of new stuff, you know, people would suggest songs. We, we, you know, our path would start via email, and and then, uh, you know, we would test it out in rehearsal without really spending the time to learn it. And we all knew that that's what we were doing. Right. So it, it, we knew that it wasn't going to be perfect, but right. it, it was it was our way of vetting a song and we, we became very efficient with it. And you would know, you know, hacking through a song, you, you're at the chorus, maybe maybe even the first time through the chorus, but certainly by the second verse, second chorus, like you would know, is this like, is this dog going to hunt? And if it is, then yeah, we're going to spend some time on it. And if it's not, we're going to never play it again. Like mm. we got good at that, but it took, you know, eight, 10 years of playing and, and learning and trying, like you said, you know, the scenario where Joe identified, like we've all been there where you're just trying so hard to shove this song that you know is going to work <laughs> into your set list. And yet you continue to prove to yourself that it is not going not to work. work. Well, and you said you, we all know our bands, but we don't know our bands. What we all know is our ego, right? We all know yeah. that uh, yeah. in our mind, this is going to be the next big thing. This song is going to be great. You know, I, I, t I love my favorite movie is Bull Durham. And, you know, there's a line in Bull Durham where it, the catcher is calling for a curveball and the pitcher wants to throw a fastball. The catcher comes out and says, I'm calling for a curveball. And the pitcher says, well, he hasn't seen my fastball yet. Yeah, <laughs> right? that's and, right. You know, everybody <laughs> thinks their fastball is the greatest fastball. But, um, it, but yeah, it's I mean, it's not necessarily right. You, it's and not. You, it's, you, it's often not. It's often not. You need to be. You need to learn to identify that with your band and be honest about. Hey, you know what? This isn't working. And sometimes it's when you you or anyone in the band, whoever sort of brings the song in, the more you of an emotional investment you have in that song as it's coming in, like before you even try it, if it's your favorite song or your favorite artist or whatever, that actually I have found makes it much worse because you have to be able to let go of how mm. the original artist played it, especially how the original artist recorded it one time, <laughs> right? In either the studio or live, like whatever it was, you know, you have to let go of that. And with 25 guitar overdubs. Yeah. Or whatever it was, you know, the way the rain made the band sound because they were playing well that night or whatever, like you have to let go of that and just see how your band does it. And you need yeah. to be able to hear. I, I always say, if you're playing along with the radio in your head, you're not listening to the band in the room mm. and you have to turn off the radio in your head. You have to hear what's actually coming out of the mouths and speakers and drums of the people that are in the room playing. And you need to really look at that honestly and say, yeah, okay, this is this is something I want to put on the stage. Not I wish I could put on the stage, but I want 
to put on the stage. And 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 then to your point, you know, what is your band's purpose? Is it a dance band? Is it a prog rock band? Like th- there's a different reaction that you are looking for in those scenarios. And does what you just heard that band play, not the radio in your head, but the, you know, the people in the room with you, does what you just heard them play serve whatever that goal is? You know, again, a, a prog rock band might be looking for people in seats, you know, intently paying attention to how the music's being played. A dance band, probably the opposite. Of course, you're going to find people that cross over with both, but you need to know what your goal is, what your audience is expecting of you. And and there's a, probably a whole show to do on managing your audience's expectations because of this, but you need to really have that together. And if you can't, you it and and this is way easier for some musicians than others, especially and some, bands and some bands and others, right? Especially if it's your quote unquote favorite song. You know, I I learned a long time ago. I do not introduce my favorite songs to bands to play because there's no way that you know a different band is going to play that song the same way. Like I like you know I I'm a big Rush fan, right? Very difficult. Even I, I've seen some great Rush tribute bands. Uh, I have never played in one. I've never had the the opportunity or the privilege to do that. Uh, there, there's no way that a pickup cover band is going to play Rush tunes the way I know Rush tunes can be played. Sure. So I just don't introduce them. It's just like, uh, and I'm okay with that. You know, it's like, that's fine. fine. Yeah. It it, it it limits my frustration, to be perfectly honest. It's, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, here's the thing. Then there's a social engineering of songs, right? And it's all about there's songs that can be technically right. And then there's the songs that have magic because there's a real buy-in from all parts of the band. Totally. And that buy-in sometimes happens. Like I said, the, the, the modern day Mustang Sally's where everybody knows the time put in is going to be time gotten out. Those are easy. But how everybody handles everything after that, like, you know, yep. you, you bring in a song and one guy's going, why are we doing this? Right. One guy. And that brings the whole vibe, you know, yep. and then, you know, then, uh, you know, or everybody has a decent attitude, but then you go out and, you know, whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a lightly attended night. It's a rainy night. It's a newer song. So you're going to put it earlier in the set. And there's not enough people to give you enough feedback. You know, the, the, the path to something breaking through to the eight team is fraught with many things. I mean, I do, I do like your idea that you got to commit to mothballing some things in order to make some room. But the question is, how do you decide what you're going to fill those spaces? So if I say I'm going to take hard. five of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think perhaps I think what, you know, and I, and I'm saying this now without having actually done this, but as we're talking about it, it hits me. Okay. Let's say, you know, you want to retire five of your A-list songs. Well, wouldn't it make sure. And you should introduce more songs into the set list, but chances are the songs that are going to fill those five slots are not the new songs that you're just learning how to play as a band. They are going to be songs that have been on your list for a while that perhaps haven't been given the opportunity to be set openers or set closers or, you know, the third song in the set, which I think is a really important spot. Like, you know, all those key spots to your set that you've already learned where they are. It's probably going to be stuff you already know and have a, a, you know, it can now promote them, if you will. Right. You don't hire somebody new and put them in as president of the company. You maybe promote from within so that somebody knows how the business works, right? Like it's the same think, kind of thing. You got to promote from I, within. Yeah, I think that makes sense to a degree, but I also think there's a certain lightning in a bottle, a oh, certain sure. magic. When Uptown right Funk song. came out, that was an obvious one, right? Like, yeah, it, but everybody I, I should think put also, this on the list. Yep, there are songs that are top top ten songs um, that if you can find it and they work for your band. What's the one that's out fairly recently? Was that uh, Cake by the Ocean? Right. Yeah. So, you know that one? Oh yeah, yeah. We play it in uh, Uptown Celebration. It yeah. is a cool song, right? It is. That's a good example. That's a song that's approachable. If you have someone who can hit those, you know, that falsetto stuff. Uh, yeah. The the groove is just you can't beat the groove. And if if you can get your hands around that, you can probably put it in and be assured it's going to be a B. On you know. And work its way towards an A. Yes. You right? could work that towards an A. Lineup. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But I agree. I would say what's interesting is some of those old classic rock songs, the reason they don't show up in a lot of bands lists is probably because, you know, what are there? 
hundred rock and roll fake book songs that are probably the the no brainers. There are other ones that are good. You know what's the one that we did in the Macworld All Stars? It's a great song. The um, No matter what you do. Oh yeah, we do that in Fling. Oh, it's a great tune. It's fun. It's great. Badfinger man. Yeah, Badfinger. That's it. Yeah. But I I think it's a tempo wise. Uh oh, did I lose Mr. Kent? Did the hotel Wi-Fi fail me? Or did it fail Paul? We will find out. We'll be right back. All right. I got him back. Yeah, I think it was my hotel Wi-Fi. So you were talking about no matter what, that song has been become an A-lister for Fling. Like, wow. it, yeah, but we, Fling has uh, many good singers. Uh, Aaron, by far, is our best lead singer. But I, I sing leads on that one, but we we have been able to really make those harmonies just like pop out. And we've really mastered that tune. I mean, that's not an that's a that's a well-crafted pop song. Mm-hmm. And and Fl- Fling is uh, I, I would say that Fling is best at uh, power pop. Like we really have that down with the harmonies and the guitar riffs. And that song is perfect for fling. It's not all that different from some of our originals. Uh, you know, so, so that song is definitely an A-list for fling, but it wouldn't necessarily like, it's not an easy throw in A-list song. It's like, you wouldn't replace that with Mustang Sally in a pickup band. In fact, when we played at, we did that gig where, you know, I didn't know which members of fling were going to show up that Mm -hmm. song wound up on the list and I was not happy about it. I mean, it was, it was fine, but there, it was not anywhere near what it, what it is when all of fling is there and we are delivering that as we can. Don't mess with a winning streak. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. But it's a good tune. I love that song. Anyway. Yeah. So I'm just kind of wondering, you know, this year, I think, new songs in the past have, have kind of focused the band, given us a, a charter for the winner, right? A, a, a plan of action for the winner. Yep. Um, but I'm mostly just reflecting on time in for, for reward out, you know, it's true. Right? Let me ask this about you and fling. Does everything you try get a shot in a show? No, some, some stuff doesn't make it out of the rehearsal hall. Not it. Some stuff doesn't make it past first pass. Right. Like I said, we do that first pass on something and more often than not, it's like, yep, nope, it's not it's not going to happen. But, but again, we've gotten better at that over the years. So there's less there's less surprises during that first pass. But there are still surprises like, you know, and we also are like, even if even if some of us like it, let's say somebody suggests a song and it's like, there's no way this is going to work. <laughs> right. You know, like, but. I, I, if, even if that's my thought going in, I have been taught by, by our process over the years that I, I, it is worth going in with a very open mind and just playing mm-hmm. the song to the best of my ability. Because sometimes I'm very surprised. Like we have two songs in fling that I would never think to put on a set list for a band. That's going to actually like go out and entertain and engage people. And that's pretzel logic by steely Dan and fishes sample in a jar. Those songs, uh, you know, I mean, I, I actually like listening to both of those songs. I did not suggest either of them for fling, despite being the, you know, the sort of the, you know, the token fish fan in the band, but, um, Burke, our bass player, Burke suggested both of them. And it was like, okay, like we can play these. That's, I mean, I know them. I don't, I don't, I don't have to spend any time learning them for first pass because I already like know the tunes. Like that's fine. But just, the the lineup of fling happens to be perfect for playing those songs as well as no matter what, right? Like it, it just turns out like, Oh, look at that. We really can nail both of those songs to the point where we can play those in the middle of a night and mm. people by the end, like at the beginning of the song, no one's paying attention because they don't, there's not that immediate recognition, right? You know, uh, burning for you is one that has immediate recognition. That's, that's fun to, to really like capture a crowd with the yeah. first three notes of a song, you know, you but, said something that's interesting to me though. You said uh, for first pass, I know them well enough that in itself is a whole wonderful conversation because you know, this whole uh, vibe that goes around, do you tell people learn the song and come in ready or, 
and you know, rehearsal is not for learning the song. Rehearsal is for polishing the song, right? That's in fling. That's true with the, with a big asterisk about what I've been calling. We've never called it this in fling, but what, what I've been calling first pass that first pass, we, it, we do not, there is no expectation that everyone in the Got room it. knows the song. In fact, it's so you exactly know the changes the, opposite. In the form, but uh, as far as really digging into nuances, that's not expected. No. And we will listen like we'll, you know, play on the Sonos or whatever. We'll play, you know, some version of the song and listen. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and then we'll just sort of fall into it a little bit. We might not even worry about the intro if that's tricky or something, you, you know, it's like, all right, let's play a verse and a chorus. Yeah. Let's see. Let's, let's try it on for size. Right. And, and uh, and by the end of that, then if we're going to play it, if we're going to if we decide that we should move further with this song, then the you know, the the sort of the unspoke. I don't know if we've ever even talked about it. We probably have. But the understanding is the next time we try this, like we've all agreed. Yep. OK, this is this passes first pass. Now we're going to each individually spend the time to be prepared to play it the next time you know in a in a better capacity See, so we're not going to waste the, the time the, if it's if it's not going to make you know if it's not yeah, going to make the cut yeah makes total sense total sense but that's how our band works like that and, and I, but yeah. i think that's actually that sounds like a reasonable plan to go in my band i'm just kind of reflecting there's there's a few different dynamics that i try to respect one is you know i get a certain amount of songs that i'm going to sing every year nick gets a couple simon gets a couple right so there there's there's making sure everybody gets their fair shake at stuff then there's um, because we do often add horns to things that don't have horns. And I ask the guy who arranges for me, you know, put time in to arrange something. I have to give it its, you know, he put time into it. So I kind of feel like I got to kind of give this song. So we don't really have a first pass process, right? What I will do is I'll look at the guy who brought the song in and I'll, you know, ask him, how are you feeling about it? You know, what do you want to do? And I kind of give that guy whoever brought the song and owns the song, I give them more say hmm. as to how they're feeling about something. Now that has pluses and minuses. Sometimes just a guy say, will fight for something that's not going to get you where you need to go. It depends on how each person's internal barometer is calibrated. Sure. Right? I mean, because it comes back to, will this song serve the purpose that the audience is expecting us to deliver? Is it worth the time in? Well, but, but that, like that specific question needs to be answered because you might be able to master a tune, but it's the wrong song for what your band is going out on stage to do. Right. And, and you need to, not only do you need to look at that, you need to first make sure everybody in the band is on the same page as to what you think your band is doing. Right. Like, I mean, there's, there's deeper levels of this conversation, but I, that, so yeah, you are, you are a better team player than me. I, I will. I will definitely give you that. And well, I've actually I'm learned a, a lot more from of an you empath over the And probably a leader should be though. So, so my my leadership style is to try and engage people and get people's buy in. Right. That's yeah. that's one way. It doesn't always work. I mean, it often blows up on me. Right. So, so I'm keenly aware of this. Um, I am wasting my some people in the band's time. I mean, I know the like the horns because our horns read charts. They're frustrated. You know, when they come in and they're sitting there waiting for the rhythm section to iron things out. And yep. I say, well, you know, here's, here's the offside of that. You don't have to memorize your parts. We do. So, you know, you're going to have to bear with us as we work through some of these things to check, check chords, check all that type of stuff. So, um, but yeah, getting people's buy-in is, is a huge part of it. And, you know, for that one, like I, I would like one vanity song a night just to emote something that I think is great. And I, again, I don't, it's not going to be weird, it's not going to be sample in a jar. You know, it's not going to be kind of like something that. If it see sample so in a jar goes over well, that's not a vanity song for us, even though by all rights, you, it should be right. Yes. But for you, right. For me, it would be what? Right. Yeah, it would not. We, like, I mean, maybe it would fit, but probably not. Yeah, exactly. We, yep. We've done uh, Scarlet Begonias in our band. Yeah. We used to play a Begonia festival. Sure. And we did Scarlet Begonias and. 25% of the people knew the song and got the, got the connection and 75% of the people. Is that a good use of time? Is that a good use of, you know, that's a hard that... song to play. Like that groove is not easy to nail. 
And if mm-hmm. your band's not nailing it, and I I raise my hand as someone who has been at fault for m- making sure a band doesn't not not intentionally, but you know, not grokking that groove as the drummer uh, has ruined that song for Fling on many occasions. I finally now understand it, but it took me a long time to understand how that song works. When we had Little Feet play at Macworld, what did they throw Scarlet Begonia over? Was it Ico Ico? Oh, Little Feet pl- did. They they just messed with it. No, it wasn't Ico Ico. They didn't play Ico Ico. It was, oh man, was it over? It could have been Bathtub, right? It could have been over Fat be Man. That would, yeah. that would work. But I thought it was over, um, oh, I had it and I lost it. Uh, oh, what's the song? I'll think of it. <sighs> Crap. It'll come to mind. It, but it was awesome, is, was the point. It was. But they also, like, yeah. Their right. little feet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. Yep. Why can't I think of the name of that song? I, I want to describe it, but I, I want to keep the song. I want to keep the uh, the show family friendly and the, the skin it back. I think they, they played Scarlet Begonias in the middle of skin it back. Crazy. And I didn't want to describe how I was trying to think of that name. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah. So, anyway, there's, there is the hunt for, for, for fresh material that is as good as your best material. And the question is, how does it all, how do bands, how do you guys out there, how do you filter down? How do you decide what's worth more time? How do you, how do you know early on? Or how much time do you want to put into it? How many chances do you want to give a song to find its way? Glory Days is a good one for us. Glory Days, you know, A, has that funky beginning. It's a mid-tempo song. Yeah. When you get it right, people dance and sing and love it and and call and response and all that type of stuff. But when you don't, and like I know that song so well, I could identify what was wrong with it. And that was to me, I was determined to get that to go. And it's just recently getting to go, even though we, we've but had it. But was it worth the time for your band? I know for, for you personally. Yeah, I know, I know the answer. Yeah. I, I like that song. Like that's a, that's a song I would be willing to invest more time than I should into making work. Right. But that's like, but I don't know. Like that's the risk. And that's why when you said that, you know, you, you look to the guy who brought the song in and give him more of a nod on deciding whether, you know, where it is in the process. Like that's to me, the, the huge risk there. I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm pretty much an empath and I can tell how people are feeling, but I've also learned over the years that I should probably just ignore that most of the time because it gets me into trouble because I want everybody to, to be happy, but I, I like, it's like, but this isn't going to work for this band. So I want you to be happy, but you're not, there's no way that's ever going to reconcile. And I, I get impatient often in times where I shouldn't, like if we did spend the time, maybe it would get there, but I get impatient. It's like, yeah, this isn't working. Like let's cut bait. You know, um, I've found actually that there is long-term value in letting the song play out. So we can, we can, yeah, I get what you're saying. Acuity, right. Yeah. Letting the guy who actually brought the song in say, yeah, it's not quite doing what I'd hoped it would do. There's value in established as a leader. So that's the, now we go back to the leader conversation, not the, not the technical musicality conversation, mm-hmm. but giving people a chance to fall on their own sword. That's a very useful thing that establishes trust and buys you, you know, for other things that you may need buy in from free. Again, what do you, what do you do who, if somebody doesn't notice that they're, they've fallen on their sword, even though the hilt is right up in their belly? Yeah. I mean, like that's the when problem. Guys won't right? admit it, when yeah. guys won't admit it, I, you know, I will try and lead them to that. Just be like, and then, and then I'll just, Mm. not call it for a while and wait for them to come back or realize that, you know, and that's that that kind of give and take is like, as a leader, if I've established that trust, if I'm not calling something, I'm hoping you know, that the guy who brought the song in gets, gets a, a Paul must not th- right. You know, he gave it a shot. And again, I, I would say way more often you can tell because not only can you tell by what's going on, on the dance floor, you can tell that the band is like, you know, and you don't want to be that guy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, it, but I've been in bands where I've had that guy who doesn't know he, it's not an intentional thing. It's, you know, like some people don't notice what's happening with the crowd. Like others do like th- there are different levels of awareness on stage. 
And that's not to say that, you know, people aren't great musicians and can't deliver and all that, but, but there is a crowd of thing. What's that? Reading a room. Reading a room is a skill that some people simply haven't developed. That's right. Yeah. 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 And, and that's where it gets difficult with these scenarios. It's like, wait a minute. Are we both playing in the same band in the same rooms? Like we've done that song five times. It's never worked. So I stopped putting it on the set list. Like, you know, leader or not, somebody's got to build the set list. So, you know, and that often falls to me. And I've had, I've been in those conversations like, hey, what do you think about putting this song on the set? It's like, well, we don't, what? Like, (laughs) how are we in this conversation? And that's where my impatience gets the best of me sometimes. The only thing we in this conversation. The last 45 minutes we kill, right? I can have a lot of tolerance for, you know, playing with some stuff, but I need the last thing people heard from us when they walk out of the room to be that man those guys were awesome right so just i i maintain stringent decision making over the last 45 minutes that's a really smart thing to say out loud to your band like i don't know that i've ever as the person in various bands as the person who's been in charge of the set list i've certainly thought that way right like it has to be it we have to kill right that like we can do whatever we want but if we get to that last 45 minutes and there's some song that hasn't yet been played at, that is risky. It is going to be skipped, right? Mm. Like there's no way we're going to take risks with weird, you know, potential vanity songs, experiments in that last 45 minutes. You got to kill it. Yeah. But I don't know it. that I've ever said that to a band. Like that's a mm. valuable thing to communicate. Like, Hey, me as the guy who's doing the set list, whether you're the leader or just like, that's your particular job in a, in a mix of other jobs. Like, here's how I'm thinking about this so that you all understand why I'm doing this. And then of course you could have that conversation if somebody's like, well, but I think like, then, then you're talking about it, but at least you're talking about it in the context that where everybody's starting to be on the same page or at least understanding the page. No, that's a good thing. I, I need, I need to um, adopt that. I like that. That's good. Cool. Yeah. So you gave me mothballs and I gave you uh, the final 45, the final 45. No, it, that's a, that's a worthy thing to say out loud with your band. And these are, I mean, this is a worthy discussion to have with your band. Yeah. 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 For sure. Cool. Craziness. The final 45. I like it. I, I think we have a, a, a topic for the episode or a, a title for the episode. I wasn't sure if it was the dangling participle or break glass in case of emergency, <laughs> but it might be the final 45. I, I have a vision for what the uh, episode image might just look like. So That's funny. <laughs> Do you have anything else, man? I'm good for today. Cool that we got that nice new sponsor. So yeah. Mint Mobile, welcome you guys. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, mintmobile.com slash giggab is where you want to go. Trust us on this. Like try it out. They get a seven day, you know, return thing. Like you're they'll take care of you. You're good. But yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fifteen bucks. Fifteen bucks a month. Like you mm. got it. Like what? Yeah. Perfect. All right, folks. Keep uh tell somebody about the show. That's we would love. Please. Just do that. That's our that's our ask for this week. Tell somebody about the show. Somebody, some really smart podcaster, told me to ask listeners to do that today, and they're totally right. So, hey, what's the other thing, Paul? Oh, Dave, keep those forty five minutes yourself. But even in the beginning, always be performing. <laughs>